Welcome to Nancy Wilson's Femina Podcast. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. Well, hello, welcome to the Femina Podcast. This is Nancy Wilson, and thank you so much for joining me today. Today, I thought I'd like to talk about deceit and deception, because unfortunately, as Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. So our heart can all by itself generate all kinds of lies and deceit. And so we cannot trust our hearts. Our hearts are not trustworthy. Trusting our own hearts can easily lead to self-deception, but deception can also, of course, come from other sources on the outside. So we have to be alert for internal deception, listening to lies our own hearts are telling us, and alert to deception coming from outside, from people, from advertising, from things we're reading, listening to, etc. So just to start, being deceived is a sin. We can't say that, well, it's not my fault. (laughs) No, I mean, being deceived is a sin. It is not something that is morally neutral, like being born blind. It's not your fault. And so we can't say it isn't our own fault that we were deceived. Eve was deceived and she ate the fruit and there were heavy consequences and God held her accountable. And he didn't say, well, it wasn't your fault because that serpent lied to you. No. So that's the first thing we have to realize that this is a sin against God. It's not morally neutral. Being deceived is a sin. Deception is often accompanied by flattery. And flattery is the bait that gets us to listen to the lie in the first place. There's something in the lie itself that we want, or we want to believe. And I think the best way to prepare to identify deception is by being a woman who loves the truth. As Christian women, we're to learn to tell the difference between the truth and a lie. We're not to listen to internal deception or external deception. We have to learn to counsel our own hearts when our own hearts are lying to us because we know they can lead us astray. Our very own hearts can tell us, oh, so many lies. In order to really get to know the truth, it's like being women of the word, being women who love the word, are in the word, who are saturated with God's truth. So, We have to pay attention and not listen to those external lies, whether they're coming from our friends or the internet or a book or a politician. We're all, if we are Christians, we're enrolled in a course that requires patience and constant diligence and faith. And we have to be trained to recognize the tiniest aspects of deception and hate everything that sets itself up to distract, deceive, and destroy us because ultimately, That's what deception does, is it destroys us. But the good news is we're not left to just figure it out for ourselves. Our our Father has given us His Word, and so the more familiar we are with the truth, the more we know and love the truth, the easier it is to recognize deception and to just know something. there's something off about this. This just, there's something not right about it. Sometimes it's very obvious, and other times it takes thought and prayer and consideration to really see what's happening. But 
once we give the lie an open ear, one thing will lead to another. And it's a dangerous path to be on. The flesh, our flesh, can be gratified by deceit and deception because it sounds good, it looks good, it feels good, or it tastes good. So what could be wrong? (laughs) So I'm going to give you a very childish example of deceit that comes from my very own childhood. And though it's a very childish example, I think in many ways, grown-up deception is not really much more sophisticated than this. And so that's why I'm going to tell you this story, this very true story. When I was about 11 years old, which is plenty old enough to know better, my family had moved to Texas, and we were staying in a motel with a pool for about six weeks while my dad was working on making our house habitable. And one day, the rest of the family was elsewhere, and my little brother and I were left at the motel for the afternoon. And you know, it was summertime in southern Texas, so it was very hot. My dad had instructed us very clearly, in no uncertain terms, that we were not to get in the pool because we both had colds. We could both swim. We were swimmers. He wasn't worried about that. But we had colds, and he didn't want us in the pool. So it was very clear. So as the afternoon wore on, we decided we could sit by the pool because sitting by it certainly is not swimming, right? So we did that. And then we decided, you know, if we just sat on the side with our feet in it, that's not swimming. He didn't tell us we couldn't do that. We were obeying the letter of the law, right? We were not swimming. So we sat and dangled our feet in the water, which I'm sure was a lovely, uh, very enjoyable. But, and you can probably tell what's coming. Then we decided that if we just stood in the shallow end, that would actually be fine. And I really think I was the culpable one in all this because I was the older one. And I'm sure that I was leading my little brother astray in all this. I doubt seriously that this all came from him. I think it was entirely my fault. Um, so we thought if we just stand in the shallow end, that isn't swimming. It's just like, what's the difference between sitting on the side with our feet in or standing in it? And then maybe up to our knees. You know, I remember this so vividly because going in up to our knees is not swimming. And neither is standing with the water up to our waist. (laughs) I know it seems so stupid. And yet at the time it was You know, we were justifying it somehow in our minds. And so it went on. So then, of course, we went the whole distance and reasoned that surely if we just kept our head above the water, that was all my dad really meant by not swimming, right? So we reinterpreted everything to suit ourselves. And so, of course, the inevitable happened, as you can imagine. And there we were paddling around with our heads out of the water when guess who arrived on the scene? Yep. And... Let's just say he was not pleased. And let's also say we had no excuse. I mean, did we? Absolutely not. We had no excuse. So I think this is a great illustration because deception always starts with a little lie. And it's a little lie we want to believe. It cuts with the grain. It goes with what our flesh would like to do. You know, we wanted to get in the water. It was so tempting. It was sparkling. It was there. It was hot. And and it was calling to us. And so we wanted to get in. And really, if we don't reject a lie at the very beginning, 
at once, you know, we're soon going to be entertaining more and more outrageous things. What if at the very beginning, right after my dad left, if I'd said, hey, let's just jump in. (laughs) I think neither of us would have gone for that. That would have been just open disobedience. But you know, if we had said, I know, you know, let's, or if I had said, I know, let's just ignore everything dad said and just go swimming either, anyway. Oh my goodness, neither of us would have had the nerve to do that and to flagrantly disobey. We knew our dad too well. There was no way we were going to just openly, flagrantly disobey him. But that's what we ended up doing. And when he walked in, that's all he saw. He didn't see the full story of how it all started, he had no sympathy for us and our poor little deception. Um, We were just caught red-handed. So the little disobedience, the slight adjustment, the redefinition of what swimming means, those small compromises and excuses eventually led us into the wide-open disobedience. Believing that initial lie about the swimming pool was a moral decision that I still remember making. I was culpable. I was guilty of reinterpreting the law. And I knew full well that dangling my feet in the water was playing with fire. But I wanted to do it. And so I did. And so on. And this is how we get led astray into all kinds of sins. And if you just think about it for a minute, You know, when you have ended up in a bad place, you think, well, all the compromises started out, they were so small, I just told myself it was going to be okay, it was just a little thing, it wouldn't matter, no one would find out, it could be easily covered up, etc., etc. And a guilty conscience, you know, at that first point, when I suggested we just sit by the pool and dangle our feet, I was guilty right there. And a guilty conscience is far easier to target for more deception and more lies. And once you get your feet wet, you're in trouble and you're going down. So the thing I want to just encourage you to do today is just consider if you are tolerating any little lies in your own head, you know, between your own ears. (laughs) Are you dangling your feet in the water? Have you gotten in up to your knees or your waist? Or are you just swimming around with your head above water? You know, is there anything in your life like that where you are just setting yourself up for more and more deception and lies? And I'm just going to say, quick, get out and dry off and stay away from the edge of that pool. Because yes, God will forgive you when you repent. But it's so much safer to move away now than to get all the way in. You know, you can drown in there if you keep listening to the lies. You can just go all the way down. Now, God forgave me. My dad forgave me. But it was a momentous time because I learned a very hard lesson there. And that's not to say that I didn't fall for deception in any um, other time in the rest of my career. (laughs) Far from it. I was converted when I was 20, so I had plenty of time to disobey in other ways. But this story illustrates to me so well the nature of sin and deception and deceit. And in my case, in this little story, it was self-deception. And I'm not saying there was no um, 
I don't know if the devil was there suggesting it or not. I think I was capable of doing it all by myself. And so just do, you know, just ask God. Don't do a big self-examination, but do a Holy Spirit examination where you say, Lord, please show me if there's any area where I have been either lying to myself or listening to external lies, and I've gotten way further into this than I ever should have. And then you can repent, you can put it right, you can confess your sin to God and put it right with others if you have um, involved other people in this. And then you're cleansed, and then you're free. And then you're free to love the truth and free to be a woman of the word and a woman of truth and be far better at guarding yourself against deception. I hope this is an encouragement to you. And I just pray that this kind of thing, when I'm just sharing this sort of thing with you, just encourage you, push you on further in your Christian life. And so blessings on you all, and I hope you have a wonderful week. 